Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey there, Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. He's at home in Connecticut. I'm in New York in town doing uh, studio work, CBS Sports Network. If you're watching us on YouTube, please go ahead, smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the YouTube channel, please knock that out while you're here. Dead leg, it seems like uh, the proper place to start is with the Maui Invitational. We're Creighton in Arizona. Going to play in the title game at 5 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. Creighton got here by beating Texas Tech and Arkansas. Arizona got here by beating Cincinnati and San Diego State. Uh, what'd you make of uh, what we've seen so far in the Maui Invitational? Because those two semifinal games were both pretty terrific, even if Arizona did pull away from San Diego State late. Yeah, man. This is my basketball comfort food. Um, Shouts to everyone watching live right now as we are in the midst of Thanksgiving week. This was the first Maui tournament in the Lahaina Civic Center uh, in three years. They haven't had it in that glorious, you know, high school level kind of gym since 2019 because of the worst pandemic of our lifetime. So I... I know. I, I I've been loving it, man. It's been it's been great. To, it's been genuinely great to to see Maui back and actually Maui, and to get these good games. Uh, it's it does trigger a certain Pavlovian response out of me in terms of just um, Thanksgiving this time of year. We usually get this tournament usually gives us like at least two pretty good, if not great games. And we got that. We'll see what happens here on Wednesday. Uh, Shouts to anyone both watching live or getting to the podcast in advance of, yes, the five Eastern tip for the championship game. We'll get to that in just a second. I will actually be GP. I fly out of here late today to go to PK 85. We'll also get to PK 85 later on in the show. Uh, But I'm, I I think I'm going to try and leave actually a little bit earlier to ensure I'm in the airport to watch the end of the game in the event that it's actually good. Because uh, I got a deal, you know, going down, fly out of JFK, and all that good stuff there. Um, so it's a I, I yet another reason why I wish this damn uh, title game wasn't on at five Eastern. Because I'll be able to watch the two night ones. I'll be I'll be on a plane. I'll be flying Delta. I presume I'll be able to watch those uh, on the plane. What we've seen out of Creighton, I think, is extremely encouraging and, and not surprising. I'm I'm one. And one Creighton went away from calling this, but well, they got a they got a tough matchup here against Arizona. And I did say Creighton would beat San Diego State, but obviously SDSU could not get past uh, Arizona late on Tuesday night. That Creighton Arkansas game had ten ties, ten lead changes. Blue Jays shot fifty percent from three point range, fifty eight point five percent from the field, and Creighton six and zero for the first time since twenty sixteen. They got three twenty point scores. Uh, Ryan Nemhard. 
career best 25 points was tremendous. Kalkburn had 21. Shireman, who had his moments there, he had 20. He has wound up being even better than I thought he'd be for Creighton, and he was certainly among the five most notable transfers, despite the fact he came from a mid-major in South Dakota State. Uh, the Bayer Shireman sweepstakes were much buzzed about, highly anticipated, and it reached a certain point where Creighton was the expected destination, and certainly to this point in the season, he has lived up to that uh, that billing. The, the game, getting three guys with 20 or more points, according to Creighton uh, Sports and Information, the first time that's happened for the Jays since March of 2011 in a game versus Davidson there. So uh, big-time stuff, and it's also the first time Creighton's won back-to-back days against ranked programs. They beat Texas Tech on Monday, come back and able to handle Arkansas in a top 10 matchup there. So um, if you're Arkansas, like I, I get the whistle was inconsistent. I, I thought I actually thought the game was well played enough that I mean, there was a point where it was actually pretty. It was, it was pretty brutal. And I was surprised must didn't outright just just rip the floral shirt off and just go Hulk on it and uh, and expose his bare chest as, as he's been prone to do. But I thought overall, like Creighton did deserve to win the game. Arkansas played well. Trevin Brazil looks like he could be really one of the breakout players in the country this season. He had 17. Anthony Black, who was, you know, on my preseason top three list for freshman of the year, he had 26. Ricky Council had 24. Black's averaging 14, five and a half boards, four assists right now. Um, plenty of encouraging signs for Arkansas. Unfortunately, you know, one of Arkansas, San Diego State's going to leave Maui, go back to the mainland, w- one and two. It's just the nature of the bracket and how it's going to break. So neither of those teams want to do that. Both those teams are good enough to make second weekend runs. But when you have a really good field, teams are just going to wind up uh, going home with more losses than wins. I thought Creighton getting the win the way it did was really impressive. What were your takeaways from that? I mean, I mean, I can't say anything about it that hasn't already been said. It was just an awesome college basketball game. Like, I don't know if you saw Greg McDermott's uh, post-game press conference. I watched it late, late last night on YouTube. And, uh, hey, YouTube. Hey, hey. Hey, YouTube. I watched it last night on YouTube. And, like, literally the first thing he said was, what, what an unbelievable college basketball game that was. I mean, you mentioned it had 10 ties and 10 lead changes in the final 17 minutes of the game. <laughs> yeah. It was back and forth and back and forth. And I saw this from uh, our buddy Jeff Porzello via ESPN Stats of in, uh, ESPN Stats and uh, Info. Shouts to Jared Burson. Um, Anthony Black and Ryan Nimhard became the first two opposing players to post uh, 25 points, five rebounds, and five assists in a matchup between top 10 teams in the AP poll in the last 25 seasons. So it wasn't just an awesome college basketball game. It, it had awesome individual performances and then Anthony Black makes that three to keep Arkansas in it literally until the final buzzer he had sort of a desperation heave um, at the buzzer it never had any real shot of going in so Creighton wins Arkansas loses but I still have both of them in the top 10 of the CBS Sports top 25 and one and for Creighton um, listen I I was a believer in Creighton broadly speaking I had them preseason top 15 projected to win the Big East but I was a skeptic relative to the people who were really high on Creighton like some people had them as high as I think two or three in the country and I I was just uh, okay maybe like I always say maybe we'll see but I was skeptical my skepticism was rooted in the idea that this was a Creighton team that uh, the last thing you probably remember about them is that, you know, they, they were in the NCAA tournament and they played the eventual national champion, Kansas, really tough. 
And then they bring back most of the good pieces from that team. But they didn't go out and enroll a number one ranked recruiting class or anything like that. It was basically most of the good guys from last season coming back, plus Baylor Shireman, the uh, former Jackrabbit who came via the transfer portal. And again, I had Creighton top 15. I had Creighton projected to win, big, uh, to win the Big East. But I just sort of openly wondered, can you really go from a team that finished 50th at Ken Palm and fourth in the Big East to like a legitimate national championship contender just by bringing back most of your good guys and adding a jackrabbit? I, I didn't know. But I hope you have that button ready. You ready for this? Uh, I can you get ready? It. You ready? <laughs> go ahead and hit the button. Uh, you, you're actually requesting the button. I need it. Okay. Well, here we go. I was wrong. I might have been wrong. It looks like I might have been wrong because Creighton looks unbelievable. Now, uh, some people are going to be listening to this uh, Wednesday night, Thursday yeah, morning. Never know. <laughs> and they're going to they'll, they'll lose to Arizona or something yeah. like that. They'll get blown up by Arizona. Who yeah. knows? And by the way, after this is a game at Texas like next week. So oh, we'll, yeah. see, we'll <laughs> wait and see. Could, could come back. By this time next week, could be hitting the, the same button again, just from a different perspective. Yeah. We'll see. But so far, Creighton looks great. As I wrote in the lead of the top 25 and one, um, I, 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 I think this is true. Creighton has never had higher expectations entering a season than it had yeah. this season. I know they were ranked in the preseason AP poll in the top 10 for the first time in school history. So no Creighton team has ever been as hyped as this one. And so far, so good. I, I think that's the simplest, most accurate way you can put it. So far, Creighton has either, depending on your perspective, lived up to expectations or exceeded them. Uh, Arkansas lost despite winning the points off a turnover battle. Arkansas had 21 points off turnovers. I think Creighton had three of them. It's very impressive from that lens that Creighton was able to get the win. And then I like this note from Creighton SID, Rob Anderson, who is a listener to the podcast. He said, Tuesdays, get, get a load of this, man. Tuesday's win versus number nine Arkansas was Creighton's first victory on ESPN since February 18th, 2006. A 67-62 win over Fresno State in a Bracket Busters game that tipped at 11.02 p.m. Central after midnight on the East Coast. The last time, let me say that again. The last time Creighton won on ESPN's airwaves happened in 06 in a game that tipped after midnight Eastern. Obviously, a lot of this is a function of the fact that Creighton was not in the Big East until the past decade, and then the Big East has a television contract now with Fox Sports and stuff on CBS. So the Jays are killing really folks on FS1. Been killing folks on FS1 for a while, but but you know it's it's obviously ESPN's tonnage is more than any other network because it can just afford to to put more games on than anyone. So the fact that Creighton has gone. Oh, oh, <laughs> What is that? That is 10, 16, 17 years. 16 years? 16 years? 16 years going on 17 years without winning a game. I thought that was, I thought that, almost, was, that hey, was pretty wild. Almost the age of consent in some states, you know? There we go. Uh, Arizona beat San Diego State. Uh, Aztecs made a nice run to take a brief lead a few minutes in the second half. GP, I actually, in that moment, I thought we we should have a pretty damn good game, and I picked SESU to win. And I thought, okay, here's they're gonna they're gonna show why. Uh, Zona quickly clapped back, never looked back. Arizona became the first team in nearly four years to drop at least eighty nine points on the Tex. Kirk Risa, Courtney Ramey each had twenty one. Ramey. I mean, he could be the guy that just keeps Arizona. Again, 
we'll see what happens in this game. I just hope Creighton and Arizona play a wonderful championship game. Um, I think Nada might have a poll on to uh, who's who's going to win. Like who do, people watching right now live on the show, are you taking Creighton or are you taking Arizona in this one? We'll see. I just hope it's. Have you seen the number on it? Have you seen the number? On I it? haven't. Let me guess the number. I have not seen the okay. number. I'll say that's. I'll, uh, I'll I'll say that's a good question because I know that I I honestly off the top of my head I don't know who's ranked higher in Kempom right now. The higher ranked Kempom team would normally get the number there, and I don't know if Arizona is a header behind Creighton. I'm going to say Arizona minus one and a half is the line. That's my blind guess. Pretty close. Arizona minus two and a half um, at, at Ken Palm right now. Creighton is 17. So, so, so that computer is still a bit of a skeptic and uh, Arizona is nine at uh, Ken Palm right okay. now. So, so Ken Palm has it. Arizona minus two, a projected final score of 83, 81, but the current number in the betting markets is Arizona minus two and a half with a total of 162. I'd keep an eye on Trey Alexander in that game. Um, he did have a season best six assists uh, on Tuesday. And, you know, when I was talking to Greg McDermott at Big East Media Day, uh, continue to insist that, like, the entire starting five is also is obviously very good. But Trey Alexander is the most overlooked, vital player on that roster. I feel like in a game like this, he might be uh, as you know, as important as maybe as maybe anyone else. Ramey is just that guy. Tubelis was awesome as well. Like he Tubelis has clearly continued to uh, grow and evolve. And we'll see if Arizona can get its third Maui championship. Uh, Wildcats won it all in 2000, won it in 2014. This is the first time Creighton's ever played in Maui. So we'll see if it can go uh, one for one there. What are your thoughts on uh, what you saw with the Wildcats? Uh, they were terrific. You know, I got out of studio a little after... 11 Eastern. So relatively speaking, that's an early night of studio work. And so was able to get back to the hotel and, and, and watch that game. It looked like we were going to have back to back. Awesome. You know, Maui games. Um, and, and then Arizona just kind of pulled away in, in the second half, but they look, I mean, they lost some really nice players and they look the same. <laughs> I mean, it's different guys, obviously, but offensively they're just terrific um they get after you um that San Diego State team is good like I I moved Arizona into the top 10 of the top 25 and one after last night's win but I didn't drop San Diego State at all I had the Aztecs 19th on Tuesday morning they are 19th on on Wednesday morning because I didn't think what happened there was an indictment of San Diego State as much as it was just impressive stuff from Arizona. They shot 58.6% from the field against the Aztecs. Um, I mean, nobody else does that this season. You you, you agree with that? I, I don't know if anyone will be better than 53 or 54% against San Diego State's defense. That's a, that's a, that's a truly outrageous number, and that is a, yes, to your point, a lot of like last season Arizona vibes with what we saw from this team last night. Very encouraging sign for that program and that fan base. Yeah, and Sonata points out in the chat that uh, roughly sixty five percent of people in the YouTube chat uh, are predicting Creighton to win the game, and that's perfectly reasonable. <laughs> Creighton might, but I wonder how much of that is on mm. Tuesday night. Everybody watched Creighton be awesome, and then went to bed. I mean, it wasn't that late of a finish, but it's possible. It's it's certainly possible there. I mean, we we are doing this what nine fifteen. I don't know how the time zone thing works right now with with Arizona. So it's either eight fifteen or nine fifteen in Tucson. So I don't know if they're uh, 
if they're up and watching. 65% is a pretty uh, pretty convincing number there. I'm going to take Creighton, although, man, I'll tell you this. I would not be surprised. I'd be surprised. I would be surprised if Creighton won by double digits. It wouldn't stun me if Arizona did it, but I'm picking Creighton to win, if that makes any sense. Just a, a few other things out of uh, Maui that I think are, are worth addressing real quick. Nick Smith Jr. still has not played. He, he's missed both games in Maui. Um, Arkansas has been being very vague. I mean, Musk doesn't refuse to answer questions about it, but he just sort of like, listen, it's a knee issue. Um, he, he'll play when he's ready to play. Um, but Arkansas fans can't stop reaching out about it and want like, yo, what is going on with Nick Smith? At what point, if you're an Arkansas fan, do you get concerned that something just isn't right here? Uh, not quite yet, but you know, if there's not clarity on the issue come say December, there's reason for concern only in this regard, like Arkansas, it, we'll see what it does against San Diego state. That's another, uh, this again, that's, that's the undercard, the consolation for third place. And that's a wonderful, that's a wonderful freaking matchup, dude. Those are two high level defensive teams there. Um, like Ricky council, if he's going to be this, I mean, it's making up for, for a ton there. Uh, you need Devo Davis to be a little bit better there. Uh, point I'm getting to is that, and I know Arkansas fans listening, know this and the diehards know this, but just as a reminder, if you, if you just, if you're the kind of person that, swoops in and listens to the pod from November 1st through the end of the season. We hear you. Numbers reflect that. There is a certain portion of this audience that uh, hops on board once the season begins. Reminder, Nick Smith entering the season, you know, in the eyes of plenty, the highest projected draft pick in college basketball. Okay. So it's not just like, oh, they got like a really good five-star player. No, this guy for, for some, he could be the most talented freshman in the eyes of some still hasn't played. So that's why there's a particular anxiety and eagerness on behalf of Arkansas's fan base because they want to see him out there because the, the feeling is once he's out there, like, yeah, after you see what they've been able to do, they did lose against Creighton, but hell, maybe we maybe we truly do have maybe the best team in the SEC once he's available there. So you got to wait and see on that. After they get out of Maui, so they play San Diego State Wednesday, home to Troy, home to San Jose State, home to Greensboro. That gets you through the first week of December. You'd want Nick Smith out there to get run, frankly, against, uh, you know, uh, that krill on the schedule, if you will, uh, then you're going to play Oklahoma in a neutral court game on December 10th. If he's, I would, if he's not back by then, then it's, you know, I would think that Arkansas will have two losses at most if they drop to SDSU. Then you have a little bit of a, of a panic situation there, but we just, we just don't know. I'd like to certainly see him get out there because once he's out there, obviously they're at their full potential and there's a lot to be uh, really inspired with, but it, it remains among the more notable absentees among any player in the sport right now. What are we going to do about Louisville? There's there's nothing to do. I mean, at this point, dude, Louisville and Cal are the two teams that are. I don't know if I don't know if they are the two winless teams. The only two winless teams left at the power conference level. I'm going to check that real quick here. But Louisville's zero and five. It's cratering. It's got a game with Cincinnati. That's the last game of the Maui Invitational. The battle for seventh place got. 70-38 loss on Tuesday after coming off an 80 to 54 whooping against Arkansas. Then they're at Maryland, then they're home against Maryland, home against Miami, at Florida State. Uh, it's it's conceivable that Louisville doesn't win until December 17th at home against Florida A&M. It's just, you know, this is this is just a, I don't want to say it's rock bottom because I guess it could get worse from here, but it's but it's pretty bad. And as uh, as I'm looking through this, yeah, it is. It's just Cal 
Cal, Cal lost to Texas State at home, and Cal's just as Cal's just as bad, dude. Um, those two programs in particular are just uh, the times are dark, and we'll just see if they can keep it competitive. I it, I can't believe I'm saying this about Louisville, but like we'll see if they can keep it competitive against Cincinnati in the seventh place game in Maui. Yeah, like listen, uh, there is a common denominator between Cal and Louisville, but. I think these are dramatically different situations. Um, listen, it's not going well at Cal for Mark Fox. We don't have to lie to each other. We both like Mark a lot um, and have known him for a long time, but it is not going well. But like, this is Cal basketball, not Louisville basketball. And Mark Fox is a good college basketball coach. Like he did good thing, great things at Nevada. Did did rock solid things at Georgia. And then this just isn't going well at Cal. The same way. Things didn't go well for Tom Crean at Georgia. Things didn't go terrifically for Ben Howland at Mississippi State. Sometimes good coaches find themselves in situations uh, deeper into their career, a, a second job, a third job, a fourth job, and it just doesn't happen for whatever reason. That's Cal basketball. At Louisville, I think you've got a, a bigger issues because, again, this is Louisville basketball. This is the type of job that Chris Mack leaves Xavier for. This is one of the best what 10 jobs in, in the gotta sport be. Gotta, gotta be. be. Yeah. Right. Think this is how good the Louisville job is in theory. Chris Mack got a one seat at Xavier and then said, I can't turn down the Louisville job. I got to go. That's how good the Louisville job is. And knowing that it was in the midst of its own issues at the time, Louisville, by the way, and more sanctions were coming like all that, all that also considered when he did it. Yeah. And that's the Louisville program that is now Owen five. And they sort of had a, I don't want to mislabel it and call it a come to Jesus moment, but they, um, you know, Kenny Payne discussed after the 0 and 3 start featuring three one loss wins, uh, th- featuring three one loss, uh, one point losses um, that they met. It was like, hey, like, let's go with this, turn this thing around. Like, it's like we, we were a bucket away. I'm paraphrasing here, but like, we are one bucket away from being 3 and 0 instead of 0 and 3. We're fine. Let's go to Maui and turn this thing around. And they go to Maui and they lose to Arkansas by 26 and they lose to Texas Tech by 32. I mean, you know, it, it's one thing to go to Maui and lose, even lose by double digits. But to get embarrassed in back-to-back games is real problematic. And you start looking at the schedule now. And if you remember when we did the summer shoot-around episode on Louisville, like I predicted they would finish under 500. I just sort of, it was like, some barely under 500 and I was one game over 500, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And there was some pushback there from Louisville fans and Kenny Payne supporters and whatever that fans should push back. I guess that's the nature of being a fan on some level, but like, are they going to win? Are they going to win eight games? Legitimately in doubt at this point, if they get to the double digit win mark and I would lean toward, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I would bet right now they do not reach double digit wins. And, some of this is because, you know, Kenny Payne gets hired last March, April, whenever that was, and really didn't do much to to remake the roster, which is understandable in a different era. But in the era of the one-time transfer waiver and the transfer portal, you can make a roster overnight. TJ Otzelberger did it at Iowa State uh, in the previous year. And when we looked at that roster, like the, you can find the clip on Twitter. I'm like, you, you asked me, well, what do we need to know about this little roster? I'm like, it's not good. That's the main thing you need to know. Like they don't have good players. They're not good. And so, 
there you go. So if you don't have good players and then you miss on DJ Wagner and you're getting walloped, you know, by, by reputable programs from power conferences, what are we doing here? I, I, I like, I'm not trying to make this into anything more than what it is, but like at what point, if you're Louisville's administration, do you start going, did we mess this up? Like, like he's a proud alum, great former player, had a lot of assistance, uh, a lot of experience rather as an assistant, you know, at, at Oregon, at Kentucky with the New York Knicks. But maybe we've hired somebody who, who's like the job's not, I don't want to predict the future. I'm just saying it is going as poorly. I'll rephrase it. It is going more poorly than anybody could have possibly reasonably expected. And I will just say that it's apples to oranges a little bit different sports, but at my alma mater several years ago in a moment where they were trying to tap into something to revamp the football program, they hired a guy named Larry Porter who was a like, you know, LSU assistant had been a high level assistant and was, you know, uh, regarded as a great recruiter and it just became very clear, like he he cannot do this job. And he ran that program straight into the ground. And they fired him, I think, after just two years. And and um, then hired Justin Fuente, Mike Norvell, and got the program back at a good place. But that was identified as a mistake very quickly. Larry Porter, Memphis alum, great assistant. But boy, he cannot run this program. And I'd be a little surprised if internally, at the very least, on some level, in some places... Uh, people at Louisville aren't aren't having similar thoughts and or conversations. There might be a little bit of that. Obviously, he's going to need much more time. I'd be, I'd actually be surprised in any circumstance if he was if he was let go after one year. Um, and I mean, like four win season let go. I, I think that they will give him at least at least two years as an alum. Give it time, considering the situation he inherited. But it's just not. Yeah, it's. I mean, when you look up, it was one of those things where I did send a, uh, a photo out. I was, you know, watching the kids. We were doing stuff. And, I, you know, I knew, I knew Louisville was on, but I knew it wasn't going to be a competitive game. And so then I flipped over, and it, the score was what it was. It was like 52 to 18 with 11 minutes to go in the game or something like that. I'm like, they haven't hit 20 points yet. And it was just one of those like, man, oh, man, Nadir here. Uh, but who, who the hell knows? Maybe they beat Cincinnati eight hours from now and it's, people are listening to this on a Saturday afternoon they're like great call guys I don't know we'll see it's obviously not good I don't think Louisville will win 10 games this season the Phil Knight Invitational and the Phil Knight Legacy two Phil Knight tournaments get underway Thursday in Portland Norlander's gonna be there we're gonna discuss that next but first a word from our partners it's only a kick a jump a block it's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So the Phil Knight Invitational and the Phil Knight Legacy tournaments get underway Thursday in Portland. These are two eight-team events designed to honor Philip Hampson Knight, the mm. co-founder. I've never heard anybody else in this world named Hampson. Same. H-A-M-P-S-O-N? H-A-M-P-S-O-N. Never heard the name before. Me neither. Philip Hampson Knight. He's the co-founder of Nike. Oh, boy. Trivia time. Who's the other co-founder of Nike? Let me guess the trivia time. Let me guess it. Are you going to ask me the year Nike was founded? No, but I know that. Okay, let me guess. I'm going to say Nike was founded. I'm going to say Nike was founded in 74. Try 64. So that that early, that early. Sixty four. Damn. Oh, I got so I got so many. I got so much information about this. Sixty four. Founded in nineteen sixty four, but wasn't originally called Nike. Trivia time. What was the original name of Nike? Was Nike within the ri- original name? Nope. Ah, dude, I have. I actually, I've, I know, I've read it or heard it before, but I'm not going to have this. What was it? Hampson. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. It was Blue Ribbon Sports. How about that? Nike oh, was called Blue Ribbon Sports. It became okay. Nike in May of 1971. Nike, of course, everybody knows this. It's the Greek goddess of victory. Yeah. Who co-founded Nike with Phil Knight? That's a trivia time. I didn't know there was a co-founder, my man. Neither did I. <laughs> I thought I thought this was a full Phil Knight joint from the from the get-go. No, no. Is was, am I is it any remote possibility I've I even heard of this name before? I don't think so. And just tell me, what are we doing here? This is this this is dirty pool trivia time right now. You can't ask me who co-founded Nike if I don't know the name period. What is it? You you are you are preparing to go to the Phil Knight legacy. How is that I know more about Phil Hampton? Because <laughs> Hampton. you spent the night looking at his Wikipedia page. That's no, because I spent four minutes looking at his Wikipedia page this morning as I was yep. laying in bed trying to decide whether I wanted to get up or not. Phil Hampson Knight co-founded Nike, originally named Blue Ribbon Sports, with a fellow named uh, Bill Bowerman. Bill Bowerman was yeah. his track coach at Oregon. Imagine that. Talk about a life change. He was a track coach, and then he co-founded Blue Ribbon Sports with Phil Knight. And it was originally just a, a, a distributor of shoes. They just distributed shoes. And then somebody decided, and boy, was this smart. Boy, was this smart. Somebody decided, you know what? Maybe we should make our own shoes. Call it Nike. And Bill Bowerman, because he was a track coach, he knows all about feet, I guess. He, he, he helped design some of the original Nike shoes, and then he died on Christmas Eve in 1999 at the age of 88. Moment of silence for Bill, Bill Bowerman. Trivia time. Okay, let's go. The chat, log your guesses, don't Google, because I just Googled it. Now, you might know this because it might have been on the thing. What, is, what do you think Phil Knight's net worth is right now? I actually saw this this morning as well. It's like in the, it's in like 32, 34 billion, something like that. As of October of this year, valuation was 35.2 billion. Right. 35.2 billion. I sat next to Phil Knight at the PK 80 
Uh, I was sitting down. He came and sat like in the row right behind me. And we'll see if uh, we'll see if that uh, happens Another, again. another someone, little someone. Someone in the chat is saying Bill Bowerman, not one of us, noted anti-premarital sex guy. I can't fact check that in real time, but <laughs> you never know about you never know about guys that were born way back then what they were up it's to. True. And, yeah, you know, you never had much more one of them. Yeah, much it's, more, it's, it's, much it was it was much it was much more acceptable to be one of them. You know, that's true. Back in the Bill Bill Bowerman days. Not a, if you have the uh, if you do have the brackets by chance, if you want to throw them on the screen here, I'm very much looking forward to the event. This is the biggest event in the regular season this season in men's college basketball. I'll fly out today. Games will get going. They'll be Thursday, Friday, Saturday is an off day and then championships and all that good stuff will be going down on Sunday. You'll have the likes of Duke and Carolina, Gonzaga, Xavier, Florida, Michigan State, Alabama, all sorts of them. Here's one bracket. This is uh, UNC. This is Thursday. Best one in this one. This is, uh, is this the le- I, I, I can't even keep track. I think this is the Invitational. Um, Carolina, Portland, Iowa that's State. The Phil, that, that's the Phil Knight Invitational. It's the Invitational. Iowa State, Nova. These are all where the Blazers play. So there's two venues right next to each other. The Coliseum, where Portland State plays its games, and then the Rose Garden, or the Moda Center. Moda Center. Um, that you can literally walk between both venues, and that's what I'll be. I'll be bouncing back and forth uh, throughout uh, throughout the event. There's also um, two 14 women's brackets. It's a humongous basketball event, and uh, obviously, all these schools have affiliations. Not ah, to throw that back up. Throw that bracket back up. I got. I was gonna keep strolling through here. I was gonna make. Uh, I was gonna make my predictions. He, he dropped it out on me. If you still got it there, buddy. Um, Carolina and Duke are at the top of their respective brackets. Um, I don't think both of them will wind up winning it, but I do think UNC will be the one that takes home the Invitational. Here it is again if you're watching uh, live on YouTube or after the fact on YouTube there. So UNC, then Iowa State, Nova. We'll see what happens with Nova. Nova's obviously one to watch. Some stumbles early. Iowa State, some intrigue there. Bottom half of the bracket, UConn, Oregon. Very intriguing matchup. I want to say those two teams played each other in the PK-80 because who was it? UConn beat, dude, do you, I don't know if you remember this or not. I remember UConn, everything. I'm almost positive those teams played in the PK-80 because UConn had a player. Let me look this up. He said, like UConn beat Oregon. Right. And then one of UConn's players like said, sorry for beating Oregon, Phil Knight, but thanks for the gear. Like he roasted, he roasted him. And I think that they had to like, the next day they were like, please apologize to the billionaire who who is putting on this this glorious tournament? Who was that? Um, Christian Vital. That's who it was. Christian Vital did it. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but they beat Oregon, and he was like, "Yo, I'm sorry about beating Oregon, but Phil Knight, thank you so much for the shoes and, and all that gear." That, seems, that seems pretty harmless to me. It was harmless. I agree. I agree. But I do remember that being a thing when that happened. I will take Oregon to get vengeance. And then Alabama, Michigan State, super intriguing game on Thursday. There, ultimately, I'll say North Carolina. Give me UNC over Bama, although Bama winning this would not be surprising to me. Obviously, Bama, Michigan State's the best in this particular bracket there. All these games will be, the first round games will be at the Rose Garden. If you're watching, you can see the graphics. Some of those games will move to the Coliseum. The championship game will be a 7 Eastern tip on Sunday. We'll see. Not if you got the legacy bracket, feel free to, to bring that up as well. This is the one that has... If, if Duke and Gonzaga win their first two games, it will be a Duke versus Gonzaga 
matchup in the championship on Sunday. Obviously, we've got a ton of football coming Thanksgiving, Friday, Saturday, college and pro. It's a huge football weekend, but man, the hoops are just really, really good. Okay, so here we have the legacy. Duke, Oregon State gets this thing going on Thursday. That's a noon Eastern. No, it's a three Eastern, noon Pacific. I was about to say, there's no way they're tipping that thing off at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Um, Florida Xavier, a couple of coaches in their new spots, Golden and Sean Miller. There, that's I, that's the that to me that's the best Thursday game in the legacy bottom half of the bracket Purdue West Virginia and then Portland State Gonzaga uh, I w- I'll I'll take Gonzaga to ultimately beat Duke in the legacy bracket and so I'll have Gonzaga and UNC wind up winning these it'll be that'll be my prediction there but uh, you know I want to see uh, Duke is an intriguing one could could Florida or Xavier potentially you know play spoiler I don't think that's out of the question there and then Gonzaga it, it came back and played strong recently um, I'd like to see a Gonzaga Purdue matchup on Friday. That would be that would be pretty pretty intriguing overall. So it's yeah, the the event is tremendous. It's in celebration of Phil Knight, who will soon turn eighty five. I don't believe he's eighty five yet. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, on what's going to go down in Portland here, my man? Well, it, it again, two eight team tournaments played in Portland, and you're going to be able to see, and I suspect you will see, uh, the teams that are ranked number two. Number five, number six, number 13, number 20, number 21, and number 22 in the CBS Sports Top 25 and One Daily College Basketball Rankings. Those teams are number two, North Carolina, number five, Gonzaga, number six, Michigan State, number 13, Duke, number 20, Alabama, number 21, Purdue, number 22, UConn. So you're going to see basically one-third of the top 22 of the top 25 and one over the next four days. Um, So that's tremendous. Like if you're trying to pick a place to go to see as many good teams as you can go, yeah. Uh, as you can see, you can't you can't do better uh, than Portland. Um, I'm with you. Like the the best thing we could get from this would be Duke Gonzaga, and I guess with all due respect to everybody, North Carolina Michigan State, but that would that be an would incredible be way. Biggest, yeah, mainstream appeal. I, I think Bama Carolina would be. A better game probably but you're right michigan state and carolina is the most appealing draw yeah and so you know you get a, a a duke team that you know lost its champions classic game but has won everything else um kyle filipowski uh, you know has been unbelievable I, I sort of mentioned this in i think tuesday's top 25 and one you know he's averaging uh he's leading the team in points per game leading the team in rebounds per game and he was a consensus five-star guy. Like, I'm not trying to suggest or pretend he was off the radar or, or under underrated. I mean, he was a consensus, you know, five-star prospect, top five player in the class of 2022. But technically, the third best recruit in Duke's class and is now looking like, and it's still early. We'll see what Derek Lively does, Derek Whitehead. But like right now, undeniably right now, he is Duke's best player, best freshman, and arguably the best freshman in the entire country. Certainly um, uh, the, one of the biggest producers um, among freshmen in the entire country. And it's a little bit like the R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, Zion Williamson class in the sense that they were all three heralded guys. But Zion was the lowest, was was the third rated prospect in that class. He was rated coming into college behind RJ, behind Cam. And it was very clear early, oh, no, he's their best player. 
even though R.J. Barrett was also awesome and Cam Reddish had his moments. But Zion was clearly the best player. Now, Zion was clearly the best player and be, and, and quickly became the best prospect. I don't know that Filipowski is ever going to be the best prospect. I'm not ruling it out, but I, I'm, I'm skeptical of that. But he looks like their best player so far. So that's been an interesting early season development uh, in Durham. Uh, in our chat, a uh, fellow named Mike Mannix says he is Kyle Filipowski's high school coach. So I'm going to take, take you for your word. I mean, it, really, anyone could hop in and, and, and make that claim. But, uh, but if that's the case, thanks for watching the pod, and we appreciate it. And I'm very interested to see Filipowski up close and personal. Also want to note, so Maui wraps today. Uh, Battle for Atlantis gets underway here on Wednesday. That obviously gets played across Thanksgiving, as it always is. And between PK-85, Maui, Battle for Atlantis, ESPN Events Invitational, you know, there's just so, so much good stuff. We will have we will have a pod for you Friday morning, same bat time, same bat channel, 11 Eastern. Um, would think my body clock would allow me to be up and uh, and Adam by uh, by eight Pacific. So we will we will recap stuff that's notable from Wednesday and in particular Thursday, and then set up the weekend for you. Um, ESPN invite, excuse me, ESPN events invitational. By the way, unfortunately, it gets going Thursday. It's a bit of a woof. Florida State, Siena, Ole Miss, Stanford. Oklahoma, Nebraska. Now, this is an event that's normally pretty good. Like, you get one or two teams. This is the one that Dayton and uh, Kansas played uh, played in last season. Oklahoma, Nebraska. And then Memphis, Seton Hall is a first-round matchup, quarterfinal. The best matchup is arguably the one that should be the championship game, right. Pirates versus Tigers. It's just not a great one. But we'll see what emanates from that. We're obviously seeing if FSU can uh, really write, write the ship of its season. And then, you know, Battle for Atlantis. Kansas versus Dayton. BYU, Tennessee. USC, Butler. NC State, Wisconsin is what we're looking for on day two. If, if if the games break, Kansas State would be a wonderful matchup there if indeed we get that. But uh, on Wednesday here, the best quarterfinal matchup is going to be Dayton versus Wisconsin. Wisconsin's yet to lose, but I think it's only played three games. Dayton has Malachi Smith back. So we'll see. I think it's going to uh, Battle for Atlantis has had some years in recent years where it's actually claimed. If you're watching, you can see the bracket here. Uh, on YouTube, it's claimed a better field than Maui. That's not the case this year. Maui is objectively a better field than Battle for Atlantis, but Kansas gets Bill Self back. They go against NC State. If you're watching literally live, that game is going to start in less than uh, 30 minutes here. Dayton, Wisconsin is must-see stuff as far as I'm concerned. USC, BYU is interesting. And then Tennessee, Butler. You know, Tennessee did lose that game to Colorado. I, I don't think Butler's terrible. I, 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 get a, I get a sense, GP. I don't know if you do as well. I don't know. Something funky is going to happen in this one. Kansas-Tennessee should be the championship game matchup. For whatever reason, I, I get the sense that that's actually not going to be the case and one of those teams won't make it. Before we get out of here, do want to make note that Golden Gate yeah. Mike is off to a 6-0 and start at St. John's thanks to Tuesday night's win in Brooklyn over Syracuse. St. John's is up to 33rd at Ken Palm. Uh, it looks like this might might be a breakthrough season for Golden Gate Mike in Jamaica. Trivia time. Okay. Only two, t- as we record this podcast, only two teams are 6-0 and versus Division One competition. Who are they? 6-0 and against Division One competition. St. John's. That's one. Creighton. Boom. That's right. Bringing it full circle, my man. Good on St. John's. How about this? Johnny's. They've won their past four games against the Orange. Kings of New York. And Curbelo against 23. It's New York's team. That's right. 
That's right. 23 points for Corbello, six assists. They played well. It was really, it, John, St. John's fans are going to take, take it all. They are, they are starving for relevance and consistency. They've had it so far, GP. Um, now, they have not yet beaten a projected NCAA tournament team. The wins have come against Merrimack, Lafayette, Central Connecticut, Nebraska, Temple, Syracuse, and they needed OT. But they're almost certainly going to be at least 8-0. No, they got Niagara and LIU next before they have a roadie against Iowa State on December 4th. If St. John's can win that, get to 9-0, and then it's going to be making a stew there because DePaul, New Hampshire are after that. And then you're just you're building up enough. Now, the non-conference is just okay. Like This is one of the things we're like, get to this in January, St. John's. But don't have us be looking up and suddenly, you know, you're four and five in the Big East because then you're going to dig yourself a hole because the non-conference schedule wasn't good enough. But... It's positive vibes to start off. Do you do you have them ranked or no? They haven't done enough, right? They're not in your top. They 10. have not done enough. No, no. But um, trending in the right direction. They are trending in the right direction. Wish they were playing in San Francisco. Golden Gate, Mike. He'll get back there eventually. But it is worth noting, and I'm glad that you wanted to bring that up because they are uh, they are pretty good. I'll also note that uh, San Francisco is six and zero. They have won five games against Division One competition. One was outside of D one, but they won the Cancun Challenge. And good sign for Chris Gurlison. He takes he got he got that job in house after Todd Golden went to Florida, and they got Khalil Shabazz back, who's obviously a, a big time player for them. So San Francisco early on, you know, making some uh, making some some positive or continuing some positive momentum for that, and that's also good for the West Coast Conference, which at this moment, Gonzaga's 3-1. and one. We'll see what they do in PK-85. St. Mary's has not lost yet, 5-0. and oh. BYU, again, as noted, they're going to play in Battle for Atlantis. See if BYU can get out of that with two wins, right? San Francisco, 6-0. and oh. And, um, you know, you got some teams flirting with top 100 status. Santa Clara, Portland, Loyal, and Marymount has a good win. Uh, San Diego's 4-1. We talked a lot last year about the West Coast Conference. Could it be a four-bid league? I don't think it'll be a four-bid league this season, but it actually could be... Uh, a stronger league top to bottom. It really might be a stronger league top to bottom uh, this year. Before we get out of here, I did want to know. Okay. This. You, okay. You didn't have this on the Google Doc. This was this was actual news that broke on uh, on Tuesday. We have the final four sites for the rest of the decade here. So here's the order. If you need to get your affairs in order, we go to Houston this season. 2024, it's back to Phoenix. 25, we go back to San Antonio. My only trip to San Antonio was to the 2018 uh, final four. I, I enjoyed it very much and believe that should certainly be a city that gets a final four, you know, minimally once every five to six years. I thought it was great. And then Indianapolis gets it in 26. Those were already decided. Those were previously named. Those were named, in, I think in 19, maybe um, the next four after that 2027 goes to Detroit. It will be Detroit's second time hosting a final four. The, and the previous time was 2009. So 2027, 2028. This is the, this is the hook. This is the headline. Las Vegas will host a Final Four in 2028. We'll get to that in just a second because that's why I wanted to bring this up. 2029, Indianapolis gets it again. In 2029, it will be the 90th anniversary of the NCAA tournament. And I believe when Indy hosts in 29, that will be the 10th time it's hosted a Final Four. And I think that will tie it with Kansas City, which hosted a bunch in the 40s, 50s, 60s. It will tie it for the most times hosting a Final Four. I think that's accurate. And then 2030 will be... Greater Dallas slash North Texas slash Arlington. It hosted in 2014, also hosted in 86 when it was back in the time of uh, with basketball arenas. The plan was to ho- to announce through 2031, but I was told, and I don't know what the issue is. Atlanta lost the 2020 NCAA Final Four in, on the men's side because of COVID. And so the running expectation 
for the past year, two, three, it was that as soon as these bids came up, like Atlanta would get 27. You lost on 20, previously hosted in 2013. Obviously, as a city that is well-equipped to hold major events, CFPs, Olympics, Super Bowls, the whole deal, right? Uh, but there is something holding that up. What that is, I don't know. It is a bit odd. Uh, so 2031 has not been announced. It was expected to be announced. I would think Atlanta is the favorite to eventually get that 2031 Final Four. It was the only finalist in this group to not get one. Like other cities like Houston, Phoenix, L.A., San Antonio. They didn't make the finalist stage for this round of bids there. So we'll see. But um, but GP, your, your quick thoughts on one. Detroit getting another one. I have not been to Detroit for a Final Four. You have. So quick thoughts and recollections on that and Detroit getting one. And then obviously, um, do you think you survive? Like, w- will you survive a Final Four in Las Vegas in 2028? And just how amazing it is that we're finally getting one out in Sin City. First on Detroit, um, I was at the Detroit Final Four. Um, Detroit's a great city. I'm not interested in, uh, you know. <laughs> oh, you're not. Are you no. sure? No, I, I I want to be very clear about this. Uh, Detroit's an, an incredible city. Like I live in a city that people crap on all the time. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm with you. And so and so I don't I don't do that to other cities. Um, What's even the point of that exactly? Like, what are we doing? I don't know. I don't know. Um, it, it it is true that it is colder there than it is in in some other places in late March, early April. And I believe the last Final Four in Detroit it actually snowed. Like we were, we were walking the streets and it was snowing. Um, so from a weather perspective, not perfect, but like, you know, I'll spend most of my time uh, indoors on a, a set or in my hotel room or in a restaurant or a bar. It'd be fine. I, I have a coat. Um, the, the, the thing that made Detroit awesome city, but, but maybe uh, not an ideal final four location. And I would say the same thing about L.A. if we were to put a final four in L.A. It's just that it's really spread out. Um, I, if I remember correctly, like half the coaches, like you text somebody, hey, what are you up to tonight? And they'd be like, ah, oh, we're in Canada. You know, they were like literally at the casinos across the border. Right. And so any any Final Four site where things are spread out, it, it isn't awful, but it's it's less than ideal because the best Final Four locations are places like Indianapolis where everything is walkable. Like you, 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 you land at the airport, you take a car to your hotel and your hotel is within walking distance of the dome and of a lot of nice restaurants and bars. That's perfect. That is Indianapolis. That is New Orleans. It is Atlanta, San Antonio. It is San Antonio. I think those are the four. Well, like we've had final fours in St. Louis. And St. Louis is that. We don't uh, go yeah, back. I've never, I've never been to St. Yeah, Louis. Yeah, but like St. Louis is is that. You can walk everything. And so when we do it in Houston, you ain't walking everything. When we do it in Dallas, you ain't walking everything. And when you do it in in Detroit, um, you I know. was told just I was told that actually whatever because Detroit missed out on the previous bid. So what Detroit was in 09 versus what it will be for 27. I was told everything. This is what I told I was told. Everything now. Will be walkable with the exception of if you want to drive across the border to Canada and right. go to the casino. I was also, uh, and again, I wasn't there, but apparently the last time this happened, like I, th- there's a bridge. I don't, I don't know all the details here, but apparently like it, it literally was an issue with people getting across the border and then like 
uh, I don't know, getting stuck there, traffic. You know, you're, you're literally crossing an, an, an international border there, and it was an issue. Right. That, 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 was, that was my point, and apparently has been resolved. So yeah, that was that was that was a thing then. I don't know if it'll be a thing now. Yeah. But it was a thing then. You would text somebody, and they'd be like, "I'm literally in another country," <laughs> and so uh, that was it's it's fine. Like I'm happy for Detroit. I can't wait to go. I'll leave it at that. I can't wait to go. Every Final Four is a fun experience for me. Um, as for Las Vegas, will I survive? I suspect I will. I, I certainly hope you will. I, I suspect I will. Um, but it, it will take discipline. Like uh, Las Vegas is a, a little like New Orleans, except on steroids. Yeah. In the in the sense that. You know, when you are in Indianapolis for Final Four, outside of that cigar bar, (laughs) you know, it it gets to a point where there's nothing else to do. It's time to go home. You know, it's time to go home. Somebody tells you, you can't have any more drinks. It's time to go home. And um, I I, I don't need that necessarily, but I appreciate it. I like being told it's time for you to go home. Mr. Parrish. Last call. It's time for you to go home because I'm happy to just keep sitting there. And so Las Vegas, nobody ever tells you to do anything. You do whatever you want at all hours. And so it will take discipline. Probably take my wife out just to keep just so she can be my discipline. Tell me to go home when it's time to go home. Hey, you know, you got to be on set at 9 a.m. You need to go home. But I can't wait. It'll be unbelievable. It'll be incredible. Like in Las Vegas, I, I, I think people sometimes. Uh, and you know, word association is like Las Vegas gambling, but you can never gamble a penny and have a blast in Las Vegas. It has some of the best restaurants in the country, some of the best hotels in the country, um, some of the best you know pools and resorts in the country, some of the best golf courses. I said poles there. I was like, what? It does have poles. Okay. Right. I've seen them. Okay. They're there. They're there. there's a lot going on in Las Las Vegas is awesome like my wife she would never gamble she she can't even comprehend why you would throw a $25 chip down and and get some cards and see how it goes like that makes no sense to her Uh, but but like she loves Las Vegas if you ask her so like this Taylor Swift tour got announced and she was like okay we I want to go see Taylor Swift I said that's cool just pick it out and we'll go and um, she wants to go to Las Vegas to see Taylor Swift merely because like she loves Las Vegas, the restaurants, the pools, the hotels, everything. So Las Vegas is awesome. Even if you don't gamble, and if you do gamble, well then um, there's plenty of that available as well. The potential prostitutes. Okay. Vegas will host the tournament this upcoming season, the regionals so that we expected this to, to be coming, but yes, it will finally happen in 2028. And I anticipate that, once it's done, <laughs> half the people will be like, we have to have a final four here every year. And the other half will be like, we can never do this ever again. We can never. I think it's wonderful potential there. And uh, and I can't wait. And yes, the, you know, the the final four parties, the fact that you're going to have the entire basketball world descend upon, at least, you know, at the collegiate level, descend upon uh, the final four for that. And you know, I tweeted out something to this effect, but yeah, you're going to have coaches that, uh, you know, their seasons are going to be done. They're, they're just going to get to Las Vegas. Many of them extremely rich and just be like, I don't care. And, uh, the scene, the scenery at two or three in the morning at a number of uh, hotels and casinos on the strip will be 
will be absolutely incredible. So I, I listen. No, I, can't I, wait I've sat with a few years out though. I've sat with a college basketball coach. You might have been there this night as well. Uh, we'll remain nameless, but like within an hour, was down like ten grand, and then like yes. within two hours of that, was up like. 30 grand, something wild like that. Yes. I mean, I, mean, I, I don't know if we're talking about the same guy, but there was a, there at, at a recruiting thing, you know, yeah. five, six years ago, whatever. There was a, there was a coach who was, you know, you're just walking through and he's there. You're like, Hey, you know, <laughs> it's two 15 in the morning. And the, of course they always got like an 8 a.m. game to be at. It doesn't matter. These dudes are wired differently. And, uh, and this coach was, I want to say this coach was down like four grand or so. And then I, you know, I was like, all right, well, I'll see you later. I wind up seeing that coach at a game, call it the next afternoon. And I was like, so how was the damage? He's like, he's like, I went to the ATM, took out 10,000, walked, <laughs> walked away up 19,000, you know, by yeah, 4.30 something. a.m. I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is outrageous. <laughs> outrageous. Not every coach is like that, but there are definitely some of them that are. Let's get out of here. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Larnell. Shouts to Huck. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. While you're there, leave a nice review. Five stars. Type some words. The more of us than there are of them. Still unclear whether Bill Bowerman is a, a, a us or a them, but we'll look into that and, <laughs> and report back. Uh, Deadleg will have uh, boots on the ground in Portland. I'm sure he can do some investigative work between. So, uh, should I should I approach Phil Knight with that question? 100. percent Yeah. Okay. Hey, Mr. Mr. Knight, uh, just want to congratulate you on the event and all of your success uh, in life, broadly speaking. Um, quick question, if you don't mind, and I don't mean to get too personal, but it's just been on my mind. Bill Bowerman, premarital sex or not? Did yeah. he do it? Did he do it? Did he do it with somebody other than Mrs. Bowerman or not? I'm going to say he probably did. I'm going to say he probably did. I mean, you're a track coach. How are you saving yourself for marriage if you're a track coach? You know, I got to say, I don't see that connection, but <laughs> I can roll with it, I guess. <laughs> we'll talk to you again on Friday. Bye-bye.